Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me for part two of the story that we read yesterday is Josh. How's it going? Going good, man. Happy to be back. Yeah, man. The first episode was just fucking intense. Do you want to give us like a quick uh, quick little recap? Yeah, so basically, we, uh, we meet this character named Aridis Uludike. She is... On this very peaceful, peaceful shrine world in the 41st, 42nd millennium, year 001, she uh, she lived her whole life in peace, uh, lived through an invasion of Tau, lost all of her sons either to the Imperium Commissars or to the Tau Xenos, was disgraced by the Imperium Army, and is just fueled with rage right now. She yeah. uh, open invite to the Night Lords to come into her planet, and now she's living underground with her new cult and they're thinking what to do next. Yeah, man. Like it, it's such a, it's such, it's been such a great story. Like you really made the characters, like you made me feel for the main character. You made me sympathize. Like, okay, if I was in her position too, I think I would call the night Lords or like, I think I would revolt. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad the, the 41st millennium is a story setting and not a real thing is man. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be there for sure. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just start reading the, the next two chapters of this because man, I just want to know how it fucking ends. You're going to love the ending. Just you wait. Cool. So chapter three, it has been a long walk without natural light. I've lost track of the days. How do these people down here survive? Do they know how long it's been? Do they keep track of the days? My mind wanders. I brought back to reality as Artaros approaches a bulkhead with one of those ancient bulkhead handles. He grabs it and gives it a half squat, positioning himself for maximum leverage. He cranks the handle with all his might. The massive bulkhead is jammed with rust and dirt. It doesn't open easily. Like seeing light for the first time, we're blinded by the outside sun of daylight. It takes us several minutes to adjust with the white bright sun of this world is harsh. The one relief is the warmth of the sun. I kept my eyes closed, but I enjoyed the warmth of the day. We move slowly, checking cautiously for any forces that may be out and about. We're clear. 
We should be clear for the most part, I say. Why would we be clear on a shrine world, Arturos asks. We were nearly wiped out by a Xenos race not too long ago. We lost almost all of our defense forces. They won't have the resources to come after us unless they want to leave themselves exposed more than they are. We need to move to the next hive city, over. It will be empty and abandoned. It was where I fought the initial wave. There still may, there still may be fortifications that we can use. Lead the way, Atoros asked or says. It took a couple of days to reach the abandoned hive city. We had to be tactical and move deliberately and slowly. These men were easy to command. Their experience in prior training, loyalists or other, is showing. Once we arrived, there were hardly any signs of life. The odd family still living in the ruins of whatever they lost in the invasion. Many of the Xenos corpses are still not even disposed of. They simply sit in the middle of the stress, shriveling and rotten. The stench is almost too much to bear, yet people still cling to their miserable, pointless imperial homes as if it was the only thing they ever had. Maybe it is all they've ever had. Moving further in, we see the bodies of civilians starved to death or killed for whatever little food they had remaining. Everything has been sieged and is in disarray. And a few emancipated survivors that see us try their best to run away and hide, but they are too weak and slow. We have to keep our presence quiet here for the moment, lest the guard find our whereabouts and snuff us out. So we do the hard, easy, and take them out. They may be weakened greatly, but they're only 86. They have hundreds of guardsmen and armor roll to roll out. Coming to the old center of the hab block that I had fortified previous, I am brought back to the images of Joseph being killed. I remember the pain I felt that day. I feel my lip quiver at the single tear run down my cheek. Not sadness or even pain, but the rage and hatred for the Imperium, burning stronger than ever. Here's the plan. I say, to, I say as I face my cultists. I don't know how much time we have, so there's going to be little to no time for rest. Find something to eat and get some sleep. In three hours, we begin going over training and tactics so we are all on the same page. We need to be ready for anything. Every one of them dispersed into their own respectable areas, shattered homes or makeshift tin shelters, and grab some sleep, some cannibalized corpses of freshly murdered civilians, Arturus and I are eager to, and almost too eager to bring the fight home. We are the only two patrolling while the rest sleep. A perfect time to get to know who I'm really working with. He's a giant of a man. He doesn't say much, yet his presence carries an element of knowing and strength. After a while, I decide to break the ice. Don't say much, do you? I ask. Neither do you, he replies. Fair enough. I say, I'm not here for small talk. I want to start digging and finding out what is what it is I'm working with. You lead these men. What are you to them? A father figure? A captain, maybe? Their guardian, he says. How does that work then? The tech priest gets too confident with them. You put him in line? I ask with a smug look, challenging him. He doesn't bite. He's a tough one to crack, even for a woman like me. Follow me, he says without looking at me. It leads me through the broken streets into a building and down a long spiraling set of stairs, like something you see from a fortress monastery. Something feels different about everything in here. It looks nothing like the Imperial Hab block would. It feels colder, 
more heavy down here. Arturos leads me to a giant door locked by an access panel. Again, nothing imperial about any of it. The controls are archaic and seems to be very old. He punches in a code, all with the confidence as if he's used the code a thousand times before. Slowly, the hulking door grinds open, and I am met with the sight of a room full of weapons. Vehicles of all sorts, 4X, 6X, and even what seems to be a captured chimera. It's all clicking now. Who the followers are? What Arturos is to them? I feel myself staring at awe of what I'm seeing, of what I'm realizing. Mouth hanging open, I turn to the giant and see that he is staring at me with a smug look of grin on his face. Do you really think anybody within the, with the Imperium would follow a single guardsman into an unwinnable battle but against the endless war machine? He says proudly. I was once a cultist long, long ago. This was our hideout. This is where we stored all of our tools for this world's judgment day. I can't find the words to speak. I am both impressed and mortified. Impressed that they had managed to get an intact chimera and a full arsenal. I'm mortified that all of his, this ordinance has been under my feet this whole time, waiting to take me out. Clicking and binary can be heard from around the chimera. Eskatari, not dressed as you would expect, weathered and beaten, his robes black and deep blue. Unsure of whose side he's on, I raise my pistol and aim, unsure of what the intentions of the machine are. Arturo softly puts, my hat, puts his hand on my weapon and lowers it. Reuben, Arturo says with a hint of joy and relief. Captain, the half-man, half-machine responds. Captain, I think to myself. Your friend's heart rate is spiked to 120 beats per minute. Is she all right? The thing called Reuben asks. I never liked Skatari. They're always about replacing your flesh with machinery and robotics. They've always been a strange sight for me to stomach. Arturos chuckles. She's all right. She's just taking in the wonder of this arsenal. How's the ordinance been kept? 94% efficiency. Weapons batteries are operationals. Guns are oiled and cleaned. Fuel and power is abundance. The Ajax arrays are in our control now, Captain. Who is this, if I may ask? Reuben says. Not wanting to seem weak, I interject before Arturos can speak. I am Iridius Iluike, traitor guardsman of the... 817th battalion. I am cut off before I can finish. Ah, yes, Heridius. The one who sent out the Vox cast to any foe of the Imperium to come and cleanse this world of the Imperial def defilement. I assume you're also the one who has freed the captain from his shackles, made by the foulness of the Imperial Manufactorum. He is very in touch with communications and radar, as any Skatari would love to be. I am. I also bring 84 men ready to fight before someone comes to cleanse us all. Excellent. By my calculation, the Night Lords will arrive with a force strong enough to cripple this planet in two weeks, three days, and 15 hours. Long enough to grasp a foothold here to collect sufficient forces to bring the real threat to the foul Imperium, the machine tells. That gives us enough time for those men in place and familiar with these vehicles. What else? Do you have that we can use? I ask. This isn't enough to do some hurt, Arturos asks. This will do just fine, I say. What are your questions, Aridius? Aridius. 
your shifting eyes and dry mouth are indicating that you are unsure of a great deal, many of a great many things. You're a cult. How long have you been chained to a machine like that? Why hasn't any of his organs been used before? I asked. We do not speak of our cult anymore as per tradition. They were wiped out, arrested, and executed for high treason to the false god emperor. Our Taros and I are the only ones remaining of our previous forces. I have kept this collection in shape for the return of the captain and any possible forces that may be with him. We were planning to launch a coordinated attack on your hive city. Before we could, our forces were raided and were subsequently wiped out. The captain here was sentenced to be chained to a machine in the Manufactorum Ajacus and worked until death. His sentence has since been terminated on account of you showing up and releasing him, to which we are pleased and grateful. Glad to be of help, I say. I see a pile of broken armor, shards and pieces strewn in lockers and stands. I recognize this armor. They were the cultists of the Abyss. It all comes to me now, where I've met Arteros, the familiar unsettling feeling I've had about him. You remember me now, do you? Arteros says. I've arrested hundreds of cultists, done countless raids. All of their faces are blurred together, and I couldn't tell one apart from the other, even one as monstrous as Arteros. I remembered you the second I saw that lift open. You were the sergeant that led the charge and the raid that wiped out my cult, he said. Not in anger, but with a full smile, something I haven't seen on him until now. I am glad a commander of your potential has found your way to me. With you, we can establish a new cult, one stronger than before. Now that we have this planet on its knees, we can prepare for your new friend's coming, he says as he walks towards the room with the armor. He grabs a large piece of grass with two giant tusks attached to it. He puts it on as a headdress with a long fire staff. I follow him inside the room. He points me to a helmet that remembers resembles what a devil or a demon would look like. A beautiful golden thing. I put it on and look at our terrors. His smile is still on his face, only now with an intense burning in his eyes. He picks up a chain sword and hands it to me. Fitting weapon for the commander of your cult, he says. I take it and examine it. It is a vicious looking thing that sends chills down my spine just to hold. Fitting tool for the flaying and slaughter of my home Habla. Time to get the men ready, I say. Chapter four. The men were brought from the underbelly of the hive were already weathered in war in their own respective ways. So getting everybody on the same page was easy and quick. We all move as one now. We understand each other. We found the common ground needed to function as a unit to be effective with our plans. For the past 16 days, our terrorists and I have been going over our final assault against the weakened stronghold of the Imperial Guard in my home city, Rubin. As, as we're finalizing our plans and our backup plans and our backup plan for our backup plans, Rubin freezes for a moment. His ocular implants stutter and twist as he processes incoming data. Incoming Imperial forces, 200 strong minimal armor, one Davis squad, weakened leadership, but organized and motivated. His early warning systems still work, observing them, observing them through the Libra aspects. Plans are in motion, Arteros says. Let's get moving, I say. It is finally time. It is time to bring this fight to them. It's time to show these dogs what happens when you come for a grieving mother who has nothing left to lose but the fight at hand. It is time. 
As the alarm sounds, my cultists scramble, grab their tattered armor and auto rifles, grab a fistful of stims and grenades, and rush, rush out the door and through a giant tunnel. The ones who are familiar with operating vehicles fire up the camera turrocks. We load up and begin to march. How do they know we're here? Did we miss a civilian? Were we sloppy with staying out of sight? We take up positions throughout several hab blocks of the broken city. We are a few against 200 strong. We're going to have to use our tactic and tactics and smart if we're gonna do respectable damage. We have kill boxes, pincer maneuvers set, pincer maneuvers set and mines placed in the middle of roads. We will do damage here. We will make our names known before the impending doom falls down on them. Patiently we wait, like clockwork. Right on time we hear a mine go off, followed by the bitter screams of wounded guardsmen. We see them hustling out from where the traps from where the trap was. We wait for them to get comfortable. Them taking cover is no concern of ours. We have the high ground. They won't stand a chance. We want to make a big of his mess as we can. Once I am happy with how many I see, I let out the command. Wait for my mark, I whisper to my corporal. He slowly signs to another cultist to wait. On your mark, commander, he whispers. Several tense seconds go by and the guard find comfort and begin to come out of their cover. Kill, I shout, followed immediately by a roar of auto fire. Puffs of pink mist and pieces of organs explode all around the streets below. In a matter of seconds, two squads and over 20 guard are cut down before they can return fire. Immediately after, we all climb down and swarm up where the guardsmen are coming from. More squads are caught in the narrow streets and are easy picking. We mow them down with ease. I see Reuben floating across the streets holding a cog axe, firing a shoulder-mounted plasma rifle. I pull out my chainsaw and follow suit. Burn them like the cowards they are, I shout. My cultists respond with the barrage of grenade fire, shouting in carnage. Moving down the street, we take care of any guardsmen that may still be living and form up to engage the next squads. As expected, we encounter another 30 guardsmen, exchange shots. We rub them out just like the last squads, losing a few of our own in the process. We are unfazed. We're not here to live. We are here to do what we're doing in this moment, because carnage at an unholy level. With one of the wounded sergeants, I grabbed him by his hair and revved my chain scorp. I scalped him as the next squad turned the corner. Blatantly obvious, they never seen combat. They're fresh out of the academy. I see some of them themselves. I see some of them wet themselves out of fear. My heart breaks for them. I raise my auto pistol and release a barrage of rounds into them. They all fall and no longer have to fear as I send them to oblivion. I hear footsteps of another squad running towards us from down another street. Firing line on me. Heavies up front, I commanded. I see a plume of flames engulf the roads and buildings as our terrorist marches towards the squad. Last fire skipping all around him as the guard fire in a panic. Our terrorist has a look of contentment on his face. A giant, many, a giant of many expressions, we'll call him. This thought makes me smile. <clears throat> Continuing the battle through the streets, we come to the edge of the city where the walls once were. Using the rubble as cover, we move up to an imperial trench formation, strewing the corpses and skeletons from the last siege. We form up and wait. Over the burn, maybe a hundred feet away, is the rest of the guard we have yet to slaughter. Commissar arrogantly walks with his hands behind his back before, before the now formed up guard with two chimeras behind and stands staring us down. I recognize his pompous prick. The man that murdered my son, 
Commissar Sonnen. He's wearing his medal for bravery in the siege before. I feel my lip quiver again and tears stream down my face. My rage is boiling and I see red. My mask covers up my emotion, I feel, so I have no weakness to show his waste of life, Commissar. We have your number, cultist scum. Put down your weapons and surrender peacefully. We may grant you an honorable execution or die like the dogs you are, he shouts. None of us flinch. Nobody moves. Our weapons at the ready. We wait for the command. Over the rocks right out here, drop the sky. That's a giant boom comes from behind. A chimera fires a high explosive shell into one of the enemy chimeras, destroying it. The guardsmen either take a knee or run to cover to take up firing positions. The heavy bolters from our tank cut down several guardsmen as they move, and we take the opportunity to begin the rest of our work. We open fire and pin down the rest of the guard. The remaining enemy chimera moves forward, driving over any dead, wounded guardsmen in the process, as you would expect for any expendables of the Imperium. It fires a shell into the trench line. A group of my cultists are turned into minced meat. Take down that damn armor. Our work is yet to be, be complete, I order them. They fire everything they have into the beastly tank, but it is not enough. The heavy bolters open, open up on us, and it begins to cut us down. Just as the tank begins to move forward again, through all the bullets and last fire, another boom comes from behind. Our chimera takes out the last chimera, and we are... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're now free to advance. I hear Ruben over the Vox instruct me that we are now down to 45 fighters. Still enough to work. As we climb over the, as we climb out of the fortification, a rocket flies from behind a boulder. It strikes our chimera, and the turret flips off and lands in the rubble in front of it. Flames shooting out of the body of the chimera. Unfazed, we keep moving, sensing their fear. I see the guardsmen charging, charging us from behind cover. Bayonets fixed, all shouting, "For the emperor!" I rev my chainsword and prepare for the far, for the carnage that is coming. There must be a hundred of these dogs here right now. We're outnumbered three to one easy, which is perfect. More carnage for our friends to drop in on when they arrive. Both lines clash and the battle rages. We have the experience the academy recruits do not. So we hold our own. Slashing and tearing, my chainsword cuts through bodies like butter. A failed bayonet charge if I've ever seen one. I almost feel bad for tearing apart such fresh recruits. They certainly all have potential. No matter. Work continues. I look to my right and see Artero savagely bursting his fist through the gut of one of the guardsmen as he tosses him to another. Grabbing the dropped Laz rifle by the barrel, he swings it around and clubs three more guardsmen in the head with one swoop. I look to my left and Ruben is going to work seemingly effortlessly swinging his cog axe and fire nauseating blue pulse into the other guardsmen. As he turns to... As he turns, as he turns to charred ash, my cultists continue to rip and tear until all that is left is a few remaining eight or so guard, some wounded here and there, and of course, Commissar Sonnen. He holds his power sword at the ready. He holds his arrogant posture as I walk through my cultists toward him. 
Come die for your gods, you cultist pig, he demands. Let me show you strength and courage of the emperor. Like how you were when you killed my son, I replied. There is a lull in the battle as the remaining guardsmen are extinguished. The sound of my men and women scalping and flaying any remaining fighters. I've killed many for treason and cowardice. What would your son be to me, scum? Commissar sneers. I remove my helmet that is spattered with blood. I feel my lips still quivering. I feel a stream of tears running down my face. This is it. This is a revenge for my murdered son. The commissar's face goes white as he recognizes me. Traitor, he mutters softly. He is frightened. You killed my son in cold blood. Your Imperium rewarded you for it. Your Imperium took all that I have ever held dear. Now I will hold you dead, commissar, I say as my voice shakes. I rev my chainsword and let out a scream as I charge him. My cult is surrounding us as they watch, their guns showing through their helmets, their grins showing through their helmets and masks as they now get a free show. I swing my chainsword down to the commissar as he blocks it. I pull away and go for the legs. He jumps back as I miss, just barely. He's shoved from behind by a cultist as he gets too close to the edge of the circle of bodies. He stumbles into me, and we lock weapons. Sparks and blue energy explode from the clash. I bring my forehead into his nose and then kick him back again. He grabs his nose, blood coming through his fingers and tears welling up in his eyes. I broke his nose. Good. I want him to feel pain. Knowing this, I take my auto pistol and fire around into his right arm, the one holding his sword. He drops it and let out a shout of pain. I'm not here for some honorable duel. I'm here to cause pain. I'm here to show him the pain that he has caused me. Two cultists run up behind the commissar and grab him. It's sinking in for him now. He's got a long way to go before I let him die in the name of the emperor. I grab him by the face and tell him, you are now my plaything. You are now going to suffer as I have for so long. You're going to watch your world burn, and the last thing you will ever see is the towers of your havoc falling. Then, and only then, when you know my pain, will I let you die. I spit in his face and gesture to my men to remove his jacket. Build our cross for our friend, I order our squad. As they moved out of sight, Sonan screaming, begging for us to simply kill him. I hear Reuben over the box. Incoming reinforcements, two platoons, heavy ordnance, set to arrive in six minutes, Commander. What are your orders? I wipe my tears from my face and put my helmet on. We fight, I reply. This will be our final moments. Heavy ordnance squads are in march and we will not have enough men to fight them back. We move back into the trenches and prepare for our final stand. We used all of our tricks and force getting this far. This is it. Reuben, if I fall, I want you to send Sonan into oblivion so I can meet him there. <coughs> As you wish, Commander Aluake, he responds. Once again, seeing lines of guardsmen stop at the top of the berm, sil silhouetted by the now setting sun, they wait for a signal. After a moment of nothing, an eruption of las fire and plasma, rockets and grenades all pummel the ground around us. We try to return fire, but there is a firing line but their firing line is overwhelming. We are getting slaughtered. My men are dropping like flies. The carnage at Bedlam is turned on us now. This is it. Red las and blue plasma land around me as I begin to accept my reality. I thought I'd be more ready for this, but I'm not. I feel incomplete, like I still have so much to do. 
I'm not ready. It isn't time yet. As I think this, I hear over the Vox, drop pod incoming, Ruben says. I look up and screaming down from the blackened sky, an Astartes drop pod. This really is it. This really is my time. I clutch my chainsword and prepare for the end. We are now eight. We don't stand a chance against even one Astartes. As I ready to charge, the firing from the guardsman stops landing around me, but continues towards the drop pod. I look up again. They're firing at the drop pod with everything they have? Could, could it be? Smashing into the earth like a god, like the god emperor himself, punching into the ground. A few hundred feet away, it lands. The guardsmen rush over and set up, set up on the Astartes insertion vehicle. The sun has now set, and the only light is the light of the burning corpses and tanks. We hear the doors of the drop pod crash open, immediately followed by the deafening, nauseating, disorienting shrieks that bring us all to the ground. The ringing and dizziness continues for several seconds. Coming to see the giant figures walking through the dazed guardsmen, gently taking their weapons from them and disarming them. Removing energy cores and las megs, the guardsmen are now at the mercy of the Astartes. One Astartes walks towards me, arm outstretched as if he's welcoming us home. He is followed suit by another Astartes, much larger, clad in Terminator armor. As they come up to us, I stand to my feet and face the Astartes, my knees shaking. They are now illuminated by the fires around us. I don't see runes or anything typical of chaos. I see a skull winged with red leathery rings. The Night Lords, they've arrived. The Terminator stands next to the leader and does not utter a sound or move. We hear the flaying and scalping of the guardsmen behind them. The screams and cries for relief would make any normal person sick, but we are not normal people. The leader of this squad slowly takes off his helmet and runs his fingers through his hair as he lets in a deep breath and releases it as if releases it as if he's finishing a hard day's work. With a manic smile, he stares at me and does not utter a word. I remove my helmet to show him my face, to show him I'm not afraid. He lets out a little giggle as he sees my face. Oh dear, oh dear, look at this pretty little thing. So brave and so stout. You're quite the feisty little ape thing, aren't you? He says, holding back laughter. I don't say a word to him. I stare into his black eyes and he let, let him see the depths of my heart. Oh, such a broken thing. Did your Imperium hurt you badly, my dear? He asked with a, with a tone of smug sarcasm. The Imperium took all I've ever had, all I've ever loved. I called you here to burn this world for me, I say. Staring into my eyes, he notices my lip begin to quiver. He sees my eyes well up with tears. He's taken aback for a moment, almost shocked. Oh, dear, you really are a ferocious one. You really have been hurt, my little angel. He laughs, maniacal, sadistic laughter. This one loves pain of others dearly. You must be Aridus then, yes? Good, good, good. We've all been so excited to meet you. My boys have been dying to hear all about your troubles with the Imperium. We've been so eager to see how we can help you in your, how do you say like an ape thing would? escapades oh no bother we're here and ready to play his eyes darken a blue lightning quietly moves across their armor his grin is almost ear to ear the slaughter of the guardsmen has finished 
and the remaining Night Lords gather round behind it too. This world is yours to play with, Night Lord. Do with it as you will. If you wish to kill us, do so. I only ask that you let my prisoner live to see the ending of his planet before he dies, before I meet him in oblivion. His giggling stops. Truly a psychopath of dangerous prowess. Where are my manners, dear? Forgive me. I am Decimus. I am the Lord of Dread. This is my right hand of slaughter, Kratos. It is a pleasure to see you all here, my lords, I respond. I drop to my knees and offer up my chainsword. Now do what you must, just ensure the Imperium will burn for everything they have done, the unanswered crimes they have committed. Stand, my little angel. You need not kneel before us. We've waited some time to meet you, and we would so like to get you to know you better. Tell us, what do you call this little cult of yours? What do you refer to yourselves? Asks Decimus. I know they've peered into my soul. They see my fears. They see my deepest secrets. They know how I work on the inside. They see I've never cared for naming my group or giving effort to make up tales. As the last light around us flickers out, we are left in the dark. Only smell of charred flesh and urine is left to the sting of our noses as our vision goes black from night. Stars of Aretas, I say. The maniacal laughter of Decimus takes the silence. As I feel him put his hand on my shoulder, as he guides my cultists and I towards this standing havelock, sirens blaring in the distance. We see the lights of homes and constructs going out as they prepare for the emergencies of the coming siege and rape of their homes. So many play toys, so many fun things to do. Come, child, and let me show you how we play, Decimus says. His laughter uncontrollable and terrifying. He nearly starts skipping like an excited child on his way to get candy. I look up in the sky and see the stars flickering. I feel cold now. I remember before my husband was sent off to die, we would watch the stars. They always felt like home. They always felt warm. But not anymore. It is time. Time to continue my work. Time to learn the way of darkness. Time to bring the Imperium to its knees. Ave Dominus Nox. Fucking crazy. <laughs> Man, that was awesome. That was a ride. Holy moly. Yeah, I wasn't sure where it'd go. I wasn't sure if she would actually survive or not, but uh, that's fucking sweet. So, like, I really wanted this to end off on a note where it's just, like, open end. Yeah. Like, like, if people want to, like, play a game with cultists and night lords against, like, the Imperium perfect yeah did did you ever make models for these guys or anything because i know you have some night lords i did i made uh i made my squad of night lords for this exact story and i also have some cultists so like i made iridus i i need to find where i can get a dark mechanicus model so that i can make ruben Mm, okay yeah, yeah, there must be some good ones. I would check like uh, War Game Exclusive maybe, or um, I know you used Artel W for all your Night Lord stuff. I wonder if they have anything. Oh man, I I haven't checked those guys out for a while. I'm gonna have to do that real soon because they make mm, crisp little models. My goodness. Yeah, man, they're crazy. Uh, yeah, that's sweet. Uh, do you have a model for Arturios as well? Yeah. So I actually ended up getting uh, Cultists of the Abyss. And okay. 
they're they're the only cultists i could find at the moment so i made it work but nice. he's got this like huge headdress it's also a chest piece with these giant tusks coming out with a long flame staff and it is just such a good model okay and he almost looks like a like a neophyte like a like a pre-astartes like transhuman he's just this monstrous model yeah, I kind of was wondering about that if you were kind of hinting towards him being some some like Night Lord's guy. And I thought that was going to maybe be the twist where it turned out that he was like a Night Lord's uh, informant the whole time or something like that. But originally, I did kind of want him to be like that. But I feel like it's uh, it just adds a little bit more of an element of mystery to just be like this random dude who's chained to a machine who comes from some cult that doesn't exist anymore that they're not allowed to talk about yeah kind of leads a little bit more to the imagination yeah yeah otherwise it might just feel like it's like that small world like okay night lords here what are the chances that now your main character called out to the night lords it's just a little too coincidental so i'm glad that you didn't kind of go that route yeah 41st millennium is a place of mystery and fear and oh that's all i wanted with the story yeah man uh, yeah it was a fantastic story um i i really liked the first scene like just even the way or the first chapter the way you could trade like the Tao fighting the humans and just how like within one minute like hundreds of guys were dead type thing yeah like that's that's how I imagine it would be against the Tao like they're just like firepower on another level so yeah of course they could do something like that yeah and then yeah it's cool they come back and the way you describe the scene too of like them coming back to this half block that they were in where it's just like rotting xenos corpses and like skulls everywhere bones <laughs> I, I wanted it to feel empty as well because like the like half the planet was wiped out like 90 percent of the forces were wiped out so there's just no one left and it's all just no one left to pick up anything so all that's left is just cannibals <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna go a really dark path to that i was like no this is dark enough this is fine yeah no i think you went the perfect amount of darkness like there sometimes people can take the 40k to just the too extreme where it's like you know i get it they're they're scalping people and doing crazy shit but we don't need to know every little detail like i'm glad you didn't do like a torture scene where it's like he's she's torturing commissar soren and like breaking bones and thing you know we can we can imagine that that shit's happening for sure um i think you went just the right amount of grim dark the uh the night lord character the guy that was talking to iridus i got his character idea from uh this this brilliant youtuber his name is uh blade mort's guide to warhammer okay blader mort's guide to warhammer this dude what like uh when i started getting into the night lords i didn't know enough about them so i just went on youtube typed in night lords and this dude has this maniacal way of like portraying the night lords and it is just so unsettling he does this crazy scary laugh and he's just so good. he does such a good job with it yeah i think you did a great job of writing him down too and then obviously you put that voice on it which added to the creepiness of him but <laughs> Yeah, man, you did a fantastic job. Whether you took inspiration from him or not, you still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm super happy the house turned out. It, I forgot how good it was. Like, I haven't touched this thing in two years. Very cool. Uh, do you think you're going to be writing anymore? Maybe continuing oh. this story or writing something else? I think what I want to do 
is uh play this out on a tabletop and see where it goes kind of make like a battle report and build my story off of that okay okay yeah because you have your your went wrong try again in a few seconds yeah, because you already have like your Night Lord squad, you have your Cultist squad, so it'd be cool to play like a game of Kill Team and uh, yeah, see what kind of battle they get into. Yeah, like the dude I'm living with right now is super into Warhammer, so like he would super be down for that and he'd absolutely be on board with like helping me finish this story or like go to the next chapter. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, I, I'm so happy you shared that with me. Do you have any other thoughts or anything else you want to share? Um. I, I don't know. Do you think I should continue the story of the stars of Aridis? Um, I, I think it would be cool to do one battle with them and see where that goes. Cause you might, your character might be at its end, but that might be cool in and of itself. But also I think you wrote this story and it had, it was, it was fantastic how it ended. You know, I, I like the story where like you intentionally wrote it to have an open script now. Uh, the only way to truly decide is just pick up a dice and on a one, two, or three, you continue four, five, or six, you don't. That is so smart. Why didn't I never think of that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Very yeah, cool. No, writing is so much fun. Like it is just like, I love hearing what everyone else writes on this show too. Cause it is just amazing what people can think of. Like the past yeah. things they come up with, it's just, it boggles my mind. Yeah. And, and what's really cool is like, you actually wrote a story. Like I have the ability to write like lexicanum entries or like Wikipedia entries, but I don't have the ability to write characters and stories and be descriptive, but man, your writing was just very on point and very easy to read and stuff. It's very good. I dig. Yeah, man. Very cool. Uh, well, I think that's all for this episode of Lorehammer listener lore. Um, I'm going to try to go to bed now, but like after that story, I, I think I'm just going to picture people getting scalped. So <laughs> thanks for that, Josh. <laughs> I got you. Man. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Uh, yeah. Until the next time. Thanks for listening to Lorehammer Listener Lores. Right on, right on. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode.